Welcome to Big 20, a roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are... Hi, I'm Nick with the Mythos Busters podcast. I'm Chad with Fear the Boot. And I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers. The topic this episode is solo DMing. And we decided that Pedro is going to carry the whole episode <laughs> solo. Nick and I are just going to go, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. No. Um, so I think we starting off, I'm really curious to see like which like how many of us actually solo GM and what is the reason you do or don't? Because like for me, um I never thought that I would be doing it. I always thought I'd be bad at it. Just like I always assume that like I'm so wordy and verbose that like why would I do a one shot? Things like that. And because of the podcast that we do uh, and the hectic schedule of the original players, they would have to step out for conventions and stuff. So I was like, well, let's just do like a, a one-off just featuring you and we'll put that on Patreon as a side adventure to do like personal stories and stuff. And I was really nervous. I thought I'd just blow the shit up, but those are like some of the best ones according to people. So I was really surprised that it worked out for me. So like, I'm curious, do you all venture into that pool? Did Eric mischoose some of us, all of us? <laughs> um, I do solo GMing and DMing. I really didn't until maybe six months ago was when I started. Um, and it start like the whole time I kept going like, this is something I want to try. I want to do it, maybe run games for my wife. Like when the kids are in bed, stuff like that. Um, and I was always afraid to pull the trigger on it. And then I picked up the D&D Essentials kit and I was uh, showing it to my daughter who was nine. And we just decided, let's roll up a character for you. Cool. All right. I guess let's start playing now that you have a character. So I really just kind of fell into it um, as much as I was. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I need to plan. I need to get all my ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. We really just kind of started doing it. Um, and so my daughter and I did solo sessions, like maybe five or six sessions. And then other than that, um, I do a lot of online one-on-one, -on -one, uh, like via Discord and stuff like that, which totally different. Like that one, yeah. there isn't as much of a time crunch issue. But but yeah, I do solo DM from here, you know, from time to time. I have never, never done it. I mean, we're talking about one, one game master, one player, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Never in my life have I done it. Um, and never I, have I, I ever. Never have <laughs> I ever. I, I just, it, it's not really my thing. Like mm -hmm. uh, I, I get energy from, from my players. You know, my players are excited and then I get a whole table excited. And I also like a lot of collaboration. Now you could get that with one person, uh, yeah. but I just haven't. And so I, I, I've never done it and it's never really interested me. I, and I like it. I really get going with players who, who like interact with each other. Like, like my goal as a game master is to GM enough to where I can sit back and not say anything for extended periods of time. <laughs> like my players are going to town and I'm and I just, if I say anything, it's just to kind of boop the ball forward a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that's a win. Mm. Uh, so, and I don't know, it just, it seems very intimate to me. Uh, I don't know. It, I'm convinced. Let's not, I'm, I'm done. One shots and one-on-ones are a bad idea. I think we're wrapped, Eric. Let's... <laughs> Thanks for joining everybody. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, it brings such a unique uh, set of problems. And I do think, I think you bring up really good points that mm -hmm. um, more, like I think almost anyone can enjoy GMing. There are so, mm -hmm. like, when you sit down in that chair and you're running a game, you can spin it any way you want to and it can be so many different things. When you're one-on-one, -on -one, you can still get a lot out of it, but I really feel like... Uh, there are certain things that are that can possibly be implied. I think that uh, you're on a tighter tightrope. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think it mm -hmm. brings like a, a new set of problems and it doesn't give you the multiple avenues that sitting in a GM's chair for a bunch of people can bring. Because you're, I mean, you're right. Like when you have a bunch of people sitting down, you never know what you're going to get. And the right. group really informs a lot. 
but with one-on-one, you, I mean, you better hope you like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not only that, but uh, um, one-on-one is interesting because I went into it expecting like approaching it from like Dungeons and Dragons standpoint, um, they usually recommend that like one night of gaming for a group of three to five PCs is what, like four to five encounters, encounters Mm. being a loose term here. Um, Whereas with solo, I assumed I have to have at least like three more than that, you know, to, for a night, for a single night, because one player is going to be able to progress through encounters pretty quickly. I mean, combat's a little different, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but I actually came to realize that that may not always be the case because when you only have one player, there's a lot more comfortability there on the DM's side of it to put more of the narrative in the player's hand because it's just one player. And there's, it's again, it's more of an intimate setting, like you said, Chad. Mm-hmm. So there's, it feels more collaborative between the DM and one player rather than like the DM trying to manage five players having narrative input, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then the I could just be like, you know, describe to me what your character is doing now or whatever and let them just go with it. Uh, and sometimes that, like, that's enough between each encounter that you can still kind of have the same amount prepped as you would for a regular group. It's just you're able yeah. to explore those little avenues a little bit more than you could if you had a full group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Genesis Squatch, still a personal favorite. Uh, name of mine uh, it says when you're running a game for multiple players you do spotlight though right like that's a flavor of solo yeah. playing I think that's mm-hmm. that is definitely something because when somebody is one-on-one I feel like in some ways you almost if you can't have the spotlight too intense on them so you have to find ways to paint the the scenery a little more you've got to yeah. do a little bit more narrative and their follow-up question was how do you handle spotlight scenes because I I think that they're like I was saying a second ago there is something to making sure that you give them enough focus in a, in a one-on-one without just, what are you next? What are you next? Like you've got <laughs> more NPCs fill out the scene. Like, yes. But like, yeah. How do you all handle when you have to focus on someone in a, uh, in, in a multiple player group? Well, for me, it, it, it actually in the chat, it, there was a comment from improv GM that, that actually kind of ties into it for me of, uh, you know, basically saying that with one person or even one or two people, players in one GM, it can be exhausting. Like I said, it's a very intimate and it, it's, there's never, a, you know, it's like boom, 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 there's never a pause. So to me, that, that spotlighting a person, spotlighting a character, it, if we're not talking about combat, you know, like roll, okay, we'll make this skill check. Okay, we'll make the, you know, fire the shot. We're talking about role playing here. It, it is very exhausting, even in a multi-person game, because the intensity is you are focusing on that character, you're focusing on that person, you are, you know, pulling the the, the levers and pressing the buttons to to manipulate the emotion in that scene for that one person, and it's very intense. And to me, whether it's it's spotlighting a person in a group, or even though I've never done it, a one-on-one thing. That's exhausting. It's good, but it's exhausting. And I like to pull in other people in as much as I can when I'm spotlighting somebody. Now, now you, sh- you, nec- you, you shouldn't necessarily do that all the time because part of the spotlighting someone is making them, their character, their background, the NPCs that are related to the character, the situation special to them. I mean, it's their moment, right? And so you shouldn't spotlight this person and then bring in this other player. Well, now you're not spotlighting them anymore, but I want to bring in other people to that because one, I don't want my other players getting bored, but two, and and this relates to the solo GMing thing is the intensity and the exhaustion of it, of as a game master and for them as a player, you, the story has its ups and it has its downs and it has its pauses and somebody else takes over and somebody, and it has these releases with the one-on-one thing. There isn't that it's on all the time on, on, on either it's funny on it's scary on it's dramatic on, but it's there. And when you stop, it isn't, you, there, there's just nothing you can do to me. That seems like you could take a breather from that in multiple players. 
I can pull in the other players. I can switch the spotlight. And, and that's what I like to do when I GM is I like to run multiple spotlights at once. So I'm focusing on this player. There's a tense moment with them. Mini cliffhanger, break to the next person. Intense with them, maybe comedic even to, to counterbalance that. Break to another person, go back, pick up where the, where the uh, mini cliffhanger left off. It just, and this is why I don't like the solo thing. It just seems like you can't do that. It just seems like it's always on. But, and again, I've never done it. So maybe it's not actually like that. I think, I think you, uh, you have to be more aware. Like there's a different, obviously there's a different pacing to solo DMing or GMing. Um, so like the way that you're describing Chad is the way that most like group DMing would look where it's like, if you, if you're going to spotlight, if you're going to focus on one player at a time, it's going to be, this is you. We're going to, you know, keep the pacing of that scene in mind. It might, get tense and then at a good moment we're going to break and go to something else when there's one player um what that does is it gives you the freedom to explore the quieter moments between those tense scenes um and again like i said it worked great with my daughter because she'd never played any role-playing games ever like this was her exposure to it so when i would just say you know here's the here's the map of the town you're starting in where does your character live she'd point at the house and i'd be like okay describe to me what her home life is like. And then she would be like, well, um, my dad's name is this and he works here and my mom's name is this and she works here and I have these many siblings and they all do this. And so she's like, I could just sit back for like literally a half hour as she would yeah, just yeah. describe her relationship with everyone in town. And that's great because you're giving them time to express what's important to them in the game, but you're also not like, there's not a level of burnout because you're the one who's receiving at that point. Like they're essentially running. Um, so then that, I think that's where that back and forth or that, uh, that pacing shift comes yeah. in because now you can, you're able to put the ball in their court more often, let them direct a little bit more. Um, and then while you prepare the next scene or even just sit back and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes more of, it's really more of a, like solo jamming is more of a discussion. Yeah. It is a director and five actors. You know what you I know, mean? I, I, I never thought of it like that, but even in a multi-person game, you know, unless you're like crazy improv actors or something, you are not in character on all the time. There's right. always, you know, meta outside discussions, out of character discussions of, you know, it's just like, okay, these two characters got into an argument and they walked away and they hate each other. And then the, the, the tension break for the players is, oh man, wasn't that great? My character hates your guy. Oh man, he really gave it to me. It was great. And, and that is the breaks in the tension when the story or the game master doesn't provide that. It seems like what you're saying is really, really good advice of that's how you do it in a solo game is you, you know, it's like intense talking about it and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm rich and my parents were killed in front of me. And it's just like, well, okay, cool. And you have this, this sort of role-playing thing and then you, you kind of out of character. It's like, okay, so shitty Batman character. What, what was your home life like who raised you do you have family no he didn't have family it's like no no out of character it's like oh yeah no he didn't have family well then who'd he have a butler oh yeah mm -hmm. a butler could totally it's like no I, a, a butler's not going to raise you that no one would allow that <laughs> and but yeah the, the the point is though that that is really good advice of using the meta and you know, out of character moments to break tension and flow and at the same time, expand the character mm -hmm. and story in the universe. Oh yeah, yeah, it helps a lot. I, uh, and because like they're all, I mean, if they want to sit down and play a one-on-one, -on -one, they they came to talk. They came to yeah. to paint. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that yeah, it's I definitely agree with everything you're saying about like you're able to kind of take a step back let them go, let them rip. And if you ever need that kind of tension or break, you absolutely, you can be like, so what do you think? Like, what is this? Where, like, yeah. um, <clears throat> the other thing that I do is that I, I put NPCs all over with mm -hmm. different, <clears throat> excuse me, with different vibes so that I can try to switch the mood and, and give breaks that way. So like in the, right. in the, the most recent one I did, it was about um, this, the, the person that was playing walked into a tavern 
and they had to really talk about the uh, underground dealings that they are messing with. Mm. And I knew that it was going to get very, uh, it could get very long-winded at times. It could be like way too serious. So the NPCs that were there, there was one that was a, uh, he comes in and he just like absorbs the room with his like cheerful um, banter and stuff like that. One of the NPCs was nervous and um way too much of a fan of the character one of them was paranoid uh that they were going to get caught one of them was just like blank face and only talked through another person and using them to jump back and forth i was able to try to uh put breaks and kind of do that kind of transmission yeah. transition rather uh that you need otherwise it's just one person with you know, a a player a lot of times will just get stuck on their their vibe, mm-hmm. and they're not concentrated as much of changing and keeping pace and and making things as dynamic because they they're on a roll. They got a point. <laughs> yeah. So I try to use NPCs to interject and keep things light and moving too. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, and I think I think making use of NPCs is important, uh, doubly so in a solo GM game. Um. The only and the one like hurdle that I had to get over because I deal with this in my group games too because I tend to run games that have a not necessarily political but like a mystery element to them where there's a lot of players like outside of the player characters there's a lot of acting NPCs so to speak. Um, So in a solo game one of my biggest concerns was like how often is it just going to be me role playing with myself as these two or three NPCs are just having a discussion that the player just has to sit there for. Um, So that's something I definitely, I try to stay more aware of um, and try to avoid wherever possible, but it plays back to what you're saying. Questions. Like you just got to make sure your NPC goes, what do you think? Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Questions. Mm -hmm. Or, and it's great because it'll often happen too, where uh, the player will look to the NPC and having them where they have their own, you know, uh, bias really comes out in solo games. Gage has seized initiative with the question, uh, says, seeing as the topic is solo GMing, what Savage World setting would you most want to run as a solo game on a sunset cruise with Joe Montenegro? <laughs> Who's Joe Montenegro? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, legitimately, I have no idea who that is. Oh, he was in True Blood. He's a really big D&D fan. His... Personal... Now, watch True Blood. Which one was he? Was he the the werewolf, the blonde the vampire, ones, the werewolf? Oh, wait, I didn't watch he's, he's the bluff. Yeah. He's the guy who did all the like the children's hospitals D and D games, didn't he? Didn't he have some sort of fundraiser oh. or children's no. benefit thing? Um. So what Savage Worlds? I don't know Savage Worlds settings. I'll say Deadlands because that's like the only one I know. That's yeah. funny. I was gonna say Deadlands. I mean, it's, that's the only one that counts, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think giving him a chance to just like wander, meander, uh, smooth talk everyone and blow everyone <laughs> away. Like, because I think, I mean, I don't know Joe personally, mm-hmm. but that dude has his personal PC in a mm-hmm. D&D setting. He would very much like to be him and talk and mm-hmm. right. absorb the room. So I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then yeah there we go he's in a he's in deadlands and at some point he gets bit by a werewolf yeah. perfect mm-hmm. there you go i'm all that's 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 all my bennies <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah like i was saying the um npc bias is so much fun and you get you get more opportunity to explore that in a solo game because your npcs are probably getting used more often than they would in a group game so. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, that, as you brought up too, that a danger would be maybe having too many NPCs filling mm. a room. Because if your player, I mean, the player, you, you, there's two types of players, right? There, there's active and passive players. You get a passive player, then you're kind of going to be talking to yourself. But even if you have an uh, active player, everybody just needs to take a breather for a minute. So if you have like a yeah. whole bunch of NPCs, you know, you can't barrage the player with questions and openings and social situations. And they're going to be like, blah, 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 blah. You, you will get to a point if you're all in character all the time, you're just like, well, Mr. X, what do you think about robbing this bank? I don't know, Mr. Y, blah, blah, blah. And that's not, I don't do, I don't, 
to have my NPCs talk to themselves through me very mm. well. It, it's all, it, it happens. <laughs> Everybody's got to do it, but it's, it's cumbersome. It's awkward. It's weird. You have like, usually for me, because I, I have an acting background, like I'm used mm. to performing. Um, I'll usually get like two or three sentences back and forth. And then by like the third sentence, I kind of realize what I'm doing. And I'm like, uh, really quick, throw it to a player. Like who's, who's listening? Who's here? Who can I just, right. <laughs> um, yes, but yeah, and you, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it is, it does get awkward. Um, mm -hmm. but I love it because you get this with your group play where players, if there's an NPC that the players trust, they will often ask that NPC what for is advice. That like? What is that? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, just one that helps them all the time. Like then they'll, they'll start trusting them. But anyway, uh, they'll, they'll start to ask them for advice and they'll just take that advice at face value so often. Um, and especially when you have one player and you present them with a quandary, like you have choice A and choice B, which one happens? Like which one are you going after? And they're both equally, you know, important um they might be like uh npc what do you think i should do and that's when it's really fun to have your npc be very heavily devoted to a single choice and make mm -hmm. it very clear that that's not great like their mm -hmm. motives or like what they're devoted to isn't in the best interest of the pc like if you can if you can play that up somehow like maybe your npc just wants to die in battle so they're like yeah let's just charge head in like that's <laughs> the most honorable way to go and um, that's, it's just so much fun. And again, you just get to explore those more often when it's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I would like to tackle what, uh, just got posted in the chat right there by gamers table. I don't know who, who? it is. Uh, oh, bang on that guy. Hmm. <laughs> uh, it says, what are your thoughts about solo GMing a session zero or pre-session one for each player, like a superhero origin story? And I have to admit, <laughs> I'm going to put myself as the bad guy. Um, I think that a lot of people probably benefit from it. I have realized over the years, I, I don't match. I, how do I put this? Man, I probably threw myself out too far now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bad guy. You know, I know. You well, threw, here's the thing. Own it, I think it. <laughs> every, all right, everyone should play the way they want to. I think that there is baggage that I, um, have carried by reading everybody's, uh, accounting of their superior game in which they sat down oh. and did personal session zeros and the only thing i think that gets me like anxious and riled up is when people tell me how much better their games were because they had this deep personal x you know what i mean yeah like we the way we did characters and it seems to be around session zero so i'm really interested to hear what you all think because i i feel like my group, all my groups really, they have fun. They like the backstory, stuff like that. There is like the point of no return. When I think my wife put it best when we were looking at all this stuff the other day and they said like, I don't want my character to have a better put together life than me. Hmm. Oh, and I, <laughs> I feel like that's what it's a happened. fantasy. Come on, <laughs> no, I, I know, but like, just yeah. like I don't want my character to have a five year plan when I don't have like a two year. Like, right? It's nothing wrong I'm, with it, but I that's fair. I haven't tried this because everyone I see that does it posts about it online and goes, oh God, I wouldn't even think to go back to the pleb life. So I really <laughs> want to hear what you all think because I can't. So my take on it is that is a absolutely 100% terrible idea. What? I mean, it's really? Gone. Awful really? idea. Really? You guys are <laughs> yep. flooring me right now. I can't yep. believe I don't want to say it's a bad idea. idea. I want Chad to say it. Oh, I'll say <laughs> it. Oh, I, I, I've got a couple of reasons why it's a terrible idea. Okay, I want to hear because I don't... Yeah, now, you're also the guy who hasn't run... I want, but I don't know I, if it's a bad idea. And I've never I'm run down. one. And yeah. you've also never run a solo game, though. But okay, right. why do you think it's a bad idea? Well, two, two reasons. One, most groups are five to six people. So mm -hmm. you're telling me that we're going to start this game. We've got everybody hyped up for it. We put it on the calendar. Everybody's going for it. And now you're going to have six individual sessions between now and the first game? Mm -hmm. No, you're not. We're adults. <laughs> We have jobs. Exactly. No, but that's exactly that it. Shit. Like the scheduling is so hard no that this one, is almost no more one intense. is doing that. That could work out really well, yeah. <laughs> Unless you are 13 years old and it's no. 1985 and you don't have the internet. That's when you have all no the time in the world is when you're 13. Shit. No, 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 no. When you're an <laughs> no adult. No one's doing it. When you're an adult. Game. 
when you're an adult and you have mm-hmm. kids and you have obligations, that's when it's hard to get six people together at the yep. table. That's yep. the whole point it, of the solo session. That's it, why you do the solo it session. It ain't gonna happen. That's not it's even the main... It's easier to do than six people. I don't know where you're coming across. That's not even the main reason why I think it's a bad idea, though. Okay. That's just side. That's just Chapter like one, the man. icing That's on the bad idea. Preface. <laughs> so the real bad idea Back for it... session zero. <laughs> the real bad idea for it, though, or why it's a bad idea, is that the session zero and starting the game, the momentum of the game, you are trying to bring the group together. They can write all the history, all the session zero stuff you want that they want of why they're all friends and blood brothers and sisters and together and, you know, you know, they're all going towards the same thing. But that's just all, you know, smoke in the breeze until it actually happens. And so you, as soon as possible, you need to start those players role playing their characters together to see how the dynamics work and to get them as a cohesive group. Even if that group is a group that bickers and argues and hates each other, has all this interweaving drama and that's your kind of game, that's cool, but you still need to get that going. And, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that, that solo sessions are bad, but out of the <laughs> box, the first thing you're doing is like, okay, guys, we made the session zero. We did this sort of group template thing. We all wrote our characters. They're all interconnected. Now everybody shut the fuck up. I'm talking to Joe. No, you don't have all six <laughs> oh. of them there and yeah, then they run don't. one of them. Well, you well, don't even do if that. you don't. Even if, you don't. even if you're a 13-year-old yeah. in 1985 with no internet and you have all this time okay. magically. Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> I'm, going good, to, I'm going to come on the pro on. side of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one, I'm kind of more excited about doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> scheduling, scheduling is an issue. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on that, but that can be an issue that can, how many times do you have it where it's like, well, we can't play because so-and-so isn't here and we really wanted them for this session. There's, they're part of the plan. They're part of whatever. So now we can't play or we have to come up with a reason why they're not here because of that solo sessions every so often, even as a session zero, I don't think are a bad idea. I use them. I think they're great. I think they help the game. As far as like the role-playing aspect of it, how many times, how many campaigns have you had where you have players in your group that you know are good role players? You've played with them before. They're, they're amazing. But the first couple sessions, inevitably one, two, maybe all of them, maybe just one of them says, well, I don't really know the character until I play with them for a couple sessions. I don't really know how to approach this guy yet. I have to get in. I have to play with them a little bit more. Like I always hear that. And so in my head, the solo session zeros are like, okay, this is a chance for you and me to get to know this character, where they came from, what they're doing. And the reason why I'm defending this so vehemently, (laughs) and I don't know if Eric remembered this because I think he looked at it, but I posted this in the uh, gamers table discord. I'm actually working on a series of D&D fifth edition adventures that are meant to be run one-on-one before your actual campaign Mm. um so that's actually a project that i'm doing right now where your character literally is just the race and the background and you don't have a class and you build the rest of the character as you go well let me amend why i said i think it's a terrible idea except for your product which is (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be great thanks it's gonna solve everything (laughs) i don't think there's anything that really needs to be solved i i think that session zeros i think that solo background exploring session zeros can be very useful and yeah. can solve some some issues, some hiccups that you might sure. experience in the early stages of a campaign. I'm not yeah. saying that every campaign needs yeah. them. I'm not saying every group needs them. I'm just saying that they're worth exploring. So well, and really, I think that, oh, good, good. Uh, well, I, I was going to say that the point you brought up too about, you know, how many players have you encountered where, uh, you know, I need to play a bit to really get, yeah, 90% of my, yeah. myself is like that. Oh, yeah. And, and, you're, not, and you're not wrong on it. Um, but my, my sort of take on it is, do you, as they play one, two, three sessions, their characters evolve and it's very mm-hmm. organic. It's not mechanical. It's very organic because we're talking about like emotions and feeling out the character and stuff. So do you want that character to evolve, to fit a space that is you and them and the plot? Or do you want that character to evolve and fill a space that is the plot and integration with the other players? How, Why not both? 
I mean, you know, it, to me, it's like setting off on the, wrong, uh, on the right foot early on. You're not wrong on it. You know, I, I do see where you're coming from. Uh, just personally, I, 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 to me, it's, it's my games and how I run, how I like to run, it's really about collaboration. And I really, sure. really crank up collaboration good. And I, I want the players to collaborate with each other. Solo games out the bat doesn't, doesn't stop that at all. No. Uh, but I think that in the sort of priorities list for me, I, my priority is more to lean towards that. And also, I've never done a solo game. Right. Never done it. I, I, I could be totally wrong. Sophisticated characters in games <laughs> than I do. Like, Hopscotch is a character. <laughs> They're a drunk bard. They can't remember the plot. And when they got into the dream world, they dreamt of duck feet. That was their big goal. Um, it's not a lot to do with that that one-on-one session zero. Like, so you guys are like far above what we're doing over <laughs> But again, a lot of campaigns that I run, not a lot, but a number of campaigns that I run, I like to have a certain level of political, mysterious yeah. element, again, with a lot of acting NPCs, and it's so much easier no, yeah, yeah. to even just introduce one player character to two of those NPCs in a solo session. And then when we have the whole group and one of them is mentioned or talked about, then that player's like, oh, I know about this person. I, I spoke with them. He's a dick. Like, don't listen to that, <laughs> what that guy says. Like, if we see him, do not listen to him. Like, that sort of thing. There's yeah. a level of investment that's then at mm. the start of the campaign, like the start of it, there's a level of investment that's deeper than you would get on just like session zero. Even if, I think even if the players helped build the campaign setting, mm -hmm. which is a popular method nowadays, I think that even if you did still do those one-on-one -on -one sessions and maybe that's how they build that setting with you is in those one-on-one -on -one sessions, I think that investment is still deeper because they're experiencing it as a player in the game world and not as someone who's helping to create it from this overhead view. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Yeah. So my question is, and I'm going to sound a lot more hardcore than I actually am. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a stereotypical kind of GM, and I don't okay. think I am, but again, I'm going under the bus. I'll be the judge um, of that. Beep, beep. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what are the consequences inherent in playing a session zero for a player? What I mean by that is, can a uh, can a player die in a session zero? Can they come up with their um, if you're playing elegance. traveler, they can die in character creation. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's what, yeah. like I mean, like if they if they make a character that's a swashbuckling, uh, beer swaggling um, asshole, and they go into their session zero, they're one off, and then you come back to the game, and it's like, hey man, where's where's Carlson? It's like, oh, uh, there's no Carlson. Where uh, <laughs> this is Tom. <laughs> like, do they can they die in those kinds of things? Can they? Well, okay. Um, I know, and I'd yeah. I sound like I'm like you got to fucking die. Or <laughs> I'm not that kind of GM, but there probably is you, a tinge of you, that in the way that I run you games. You play with people who are at your table, physically in front of you, and you put a loaded gun on the table and says, "If your character dies, you die." You don't gotta be from Russia, but you better spin this shit. Yo, I, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah. You are the hardest of hardcore. No, I'm not. I, well. <laughs> I don't think I am, <laughs> but I'll put it this way. This, this comment came up recently and I'm going to, uh, so <clears throat> the comment that I, I made recently, I was trying to make someone understand. I said like, uh, let's let's call him Matt Mercer. We'll make somebody up. Right. <laughs> um, he may be really handsome. He may be an insanely great GM. He may have a multi-million dollar company, whatever it's worth, but I bet he wouldn't burn critical role to the ground. And I will burn World Walkers to the ground if, call, <laughs> if the story calls for it. And that may be the only thing I have over him, but it's mine. So I guess I sound more hardcore than I'm trying to sound like. But uh, Nick, I'm curious. Going back to the yeah the character death <laughs> thing in session session one. Well, that's another yeah, like, thing too. That is that work? I I'm really curious. I think that session zero is still a separate thing. Like I don't think the one on one pre campaign stuff replaces session zero. I think you oh, still yeah. have to have session zero. Yeah, yeah. Then from there you can split. And be like, okay, you know, like we did, or maybe you do the session zero after you do the one-on-ones, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't actually done it yet. I'm still in the process of developing it. But anyway, yeah, yeah. character death, 
one, it depends on the tone of your game and the tone of the campaign you want to run. Like if you're running Call of Cthulhu, maybe it wouldn't hurt to kill a character. You know, Um, you probably have NPCs that you would throw into the, you know, the meat grinder first Mm -hmm. to show the character how lethal the game is going to be. Um, But for something like D&D, which since this is what I'm developing for, um, it level one is super fragile for any class in D&D edition, super fragile. Uh, So first of all, I make sure they have a sidekick. Anyone who's familiar with the essentials kit, it's a low level NPC that they control during combat, but you control for RP purposes. Um, And it's just in case combat happens, they have a second character that they can utilize to even the odds. Um, But for the adventure, the one that I'm writing right now, which is for the acolyte background, I don't have any planned combat in it. Like there's five encounters and they're all investigation or travel or uh, social interaction, that sort of thing. Um, I have the option for combat, but I definitely make sure the monsters are super, super weak, uh, like CR zero. um, And that there's at least one player character and one NPC against that monster because literally rolling a D four and adding one for damage that could kill, not kill, but Mm -hmm. knock out almost any level one PC uh, if in, uh, in two hits, if not one hit. So, but yeah, I think it depends on the tone. And then you also have to take the system into account and just plan accordingly. I think you want to avoid it. I mean, I personally would, even though yeah. I tend to run a game where I'm like, if you die to death saves, you die to death saves and it sucks. Do you but think you'll gray box this now in your uh, write-up? Gray boxes. It's when, oh, like, like you tips that little side box in D and D adventures. Oh, D&D totally. Adventures. I already have it. I already have like the introduction is all set. The only thing I'm working on now is actually writing the adventure part of it. Yeah. But like all of this, I cover um, in the introduction, the first few pages. So I've added more so to it since I shared it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, oh. yeah, I think again, that mm. like the whole point is to build investment. And if you're killing yeah, for, you also yeah, have to know. The I, I'm not saying you make it hard enough to kill them, right? But I have players they fall off cliffs when there wasn't a DC check. And I'm really curious if they suddenly have parachutes in this setup. Right well, now. that's also it too, yeah. is you have, as always, you have to know your players. Um, There's and a, a big... middle ground between yeah. Seppuku mm-hmm. and <laughs> Tarask in the first adventure. And yeah. I'm trying to find a sweet spot in how you handle it. Well, and that's also a thing too, like going Tarask? back to just the idea. Oh, no, well, I mean, they are, they definitely are. Um, and we need to keep those in mind, but going back to just general one-on-one play, like aside from your, your pre-campaign mm-hmm. stuff like not every player is going to enjoy one-on-one right. play and yeah. if you know your group you're gonna know who is going to and who isn't like in Absolutely. my yes yeah in my salt marsh campaign i have four players three of them are loving the side the side quest stuff that we do via discord and texting and everything between our game sessions they love it they can't get enough of it one of them he's just like i don't like i ask him i'm like do you have any ambitions or any goals between sessions that you want to accomplish and he's like I just want to show up and roll dice and hang out with everybody. And I'm like, cool. All right. I'll see you in a couple of weeks then. And we'll just play then. Like I had a so- player jump out of an airship to avoid a side adventure. I want to know. I mean, you, you got to know your play, the, the group as a whole too, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, like I've played with people who would totally do one-on-one stuff. Yeah. And I've played with people in the same kind of group that would never do one-on-one stuff. And <laughs> if if it never happened, but if it had happened, I know for a fact that when you would do a one-on-one thing, you are developing a character, you're developing story, you're developing connection, even if it's totally mm-hmm. role-playing. And we're not talking points and combat and levels and stuff. Right. We're talking just the social dynamic changes in favor, either NPCs act more positively or the story becomes richer mm-hmm. for the people who are basically doing the work they're engaging in the story even if the game master isn't like rewarding them in any way but you're gonna have if you have the players that don't want to do it that want to sit out and aren't interested will those players have like a note of jealousy will they see that when the group game is going on that the players who do the solo stuff they know more NPCs. They know the doorman at the club. They know, you know, where to go for this. They know that guy is not trustworthy. Uh, And the other players who don't do the solo stuff, do they suddenly become either jealous? Like I I had a player who would probably have become jealous that they're just not involved yet at the same time 
never try to get involved and that's their problem. But also, even if they're not jealous or anything, would you have players that just kind of feel lost? Like the game world was evolving and growing and they were growing with it, but now a whole bunch of solo stuff happened and it's sort of growing and they're not quite growing with it in the same way as the other people. And they're cool with everybody doing all this extra RP, but they, they're, it's just like it's a different kind of world to them now. Do you mind? Oh, good. Go, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that is definitely a risk that comes with this. And I think that there's, there's, def- there's multiple, and there's different ways that like this jealousy can manifest or that it can be um, like a way, different ways that players will experience it. Cause like if the player is just like, if they're the type of player that you lay out the town map when it, between adventures and yeah. everyone puts their mini, like I'm going to the blacksmith, I'm going to the alchemist shop, that sort of thing. And then something interesting happens at the blacksmith shop. That player is like, Oh, I'm there now. Like I'm, the, I'm going to say this to the blacksmith and you're like, you yeah. weren't there. Like if it's that kind of player, that's, I mean that you, you deal with that right. stuff, you know, yeah. but if it's the type of player who is legit, like I don't have an interest in doing this, but then when they're at the table the next time, suddenly everybody knows different people in town mm-hmm. and they still don't know anybody. And that feels bad to them. Yeah. That's when you just have to be like, <laughs> like the reason why they know this is because they want to engage on the, in these one-on-one sessions. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, great. I will set that up for you and we can do that. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. I'm not going to make you feel bad, but at the same time, you have to understand that they're playing, like they're doing things. And while it is mainly to develop their character and not to develop the group, there's going to be some spillover. Like there has to be, that's the whole point. Well, and I think as a game master too, you need to have some considerations as well. I mean, uh, to pull an example from my own group I have a player who would probably feel, start feeling lost in this way. And you're right. You know, if they want it, they got to put in the effort. But mm. then again, single mom, three young children, mm. 40 hour work week. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to consider that because mm-hmm. that, that suddenly you're not being fair. It's not about them not putting in the extra work. They don't have the extra time to do that. So you got to, well, let me, let me turn it around on you. Let's say you had that situation. You had my player in your game, and, and you were doing all this solo stuff, and it's great. And then, but then they they just feel lost. How would you handle them? What 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 considerations would you do for that player? Where they they just can't. There is no time in the day for them to do it. I can go ahead. Keep yep. notes. One of our players uh, in one of the games I run, they have a Google Doc, and they write notes, but they don't write copious amounts of notes. They write funny notes. They're like, <laughs> you know, went into town, town sucked. <laughs> brother of Big Pharma named Grinder, total hottie. Like they keep the notes light and engaging mm-hmm. because the point of the notes is not to chronicle the mighty adventure that they have. I mean, they chronicle, they, they play the game. That's the point. Yeah. The notes are to keep somebody engaged and interesting. And I, I will say this, if my, if the player that does it didn't do it, I would do it because it comes down to like, there is, I don't let myself think of the unfair amount of work. It's just like a relationship. You either want it or you don't. There's no, so you can't keep scoring a relationship in mm-hmm. the same way. I like these players. I want these players in my game. I see what works now. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I will continue to do. If that player stops taking notes, I will write the funny notes. Sure. I, mean, I have them. I have this prep notes. Like I know everything <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Um, if that means leaving the, the after game uh, fun time discussion to sit down for 15 minutes and write it, I, I will do it because I, I want them in my game and I really uh-huh. like it. And I think it kind of relates back to uh, we had this conversation in, in the gamers table discord recently where someone's like, what do you do for players that don't prep? What can you do to get them to prep? And I was like, you can't the players yeah. that would prep would prep. Yeah. You can't make them prep in the same way. Um, related to this conversation, like the players that don't want to do a, um, a one-off session, I kind of believe that they're probably more slanted to not caring if they don't know everything. They're relieved sure. that the other mm-hmm. people are these freaking warehouses of information. Because <laughs> like, that's how it is in my game. Yeah. I don't know if my group's different. Like our group is what I would call like casual serious. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. 
they really like the game, but they don't seek these games outside for right. the, most of them. Um, mm-hmm. Shannon does, but, um, <laughs> you know, so like they want to play, they like it, but they're going to play their way and they're not going to, Yeah. If, if they're not the kind that want to jump in on one-on-one personal sessions, six hour long, we're going to record it. You get a chance to review the notes afterwards audibly. Like, <laughs> then they're not going to care after. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think, I do think that there is a real risk to bring up, to go back to what Chad was saying. I think yeah. there is a real risk where someone legitimately feels bad and they want to participate in these one-on-one sessions if you're doing yeah. them in the middle of a campaign yeah, and they yeah. can't because of extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, you just have to, I think you have to have an open discussion with everyone and be like, you know, it's if it's making the, the group setting less yeah. fun for that player, mm-hmm. then I think you just stop doing them. Yeah. Um, because the goal and the highest priority at all times should be the group session. Like the one-on-one yeah. should never overcome yep. that or over mm-hmm. to overtake that. So yeah. I think you just have to have that open communication with your players. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can't change it to like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Keep it Heartbreakers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let one it's the Silver Bullet or... Band. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Oh my God. Are we going to go into Bob Seger shit? Um, I've seen him I in have... concert twice. If you can believe it. I want to. I need it. Um, <laughs> he so has I'm an wondering... electric sitar I... he <sighs> brings out. Mm-hmm. It's like 20, 20 string electric sitar. It's insane. It's amazing. I could go yeah. into like really deep personal conversations about like what Bob Seger means because of my mom who passed away and stuff mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And we should. Mm-hmm. No, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm curious. Unless I get like a, another raised uh, resistance fist from uh, Eric, uh, if this <laughs> is too far off topic. But I'm really curious. Like, um, you're all talking about session zeros a lot, mm-hmm. and I want to know um, for those of you that play on and every anyone that's listening to or watching, because I want to know. I find session zeros to be uh, fairly difficult to organize, not because. Um, I don't know how to text people, not because I don't know how to say the <laughs> words. I'm great at organizing some things, uh, not my life, but like <laughs> session zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you deal with players that tend to go off and they're going to make their characters anyway? And obviously they're going to do it anyway, that kind of going back to what we said previously. But like, I find my session zeros to generally be fairly uneven because I have a number of players. They've already made their character. They already know who their character is. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, what do you all do to curb that? Do you have that problem? Because I tend to have a split. Some people Hmm. are like, I can't wait for us to work together. And other people are like, if it was like required reading, they would be six chapters out of the class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, I do have that problem uh, yeah. with, because the most consistent role playing that I've had the last few years has been with the same group online. Uh, we start a campaign in September, we finish it in April, we take the summer off and we do it again the next year. And I've, I've run three of those so far. I'm taking this next one off. But every time at this point, like at this time in the year around February, March, yeah. I'm already starting to think about what I'm going to run for the next one. So yeah. I'm, I'm polling the players and I'm saying which setting like, okay, we do. So then usually by the time summer starts, we have a pretty good idea what we're going to run and they're already thinking about what their characters are going to be. And some of them are hard set. Like I'm going to play a sorcerer and other ones are like, well, I'll see what everyone else is doing. And, and so by the time we get to session zero, which I do plan and I do set aside time for that, um, it's, it is split. Like we have some people who all they need to do is just input everything in their character sheet. And we have other people that are looking at the list of races and going, I don't know. I, I have no idea what I'm going to play. Yeah. But so for me, session zero is less about, and it's kind of evolved to this, but it's less about everyone make your characters together. And it's more about, we need to set expectations for right. what I expect from you as players and what you need to expect from me. And then there's going to be some gray area there and we'll try and define that gray area during session zero if we can. So like how lethal is the campaign? Uh, what tone is it? Is it, is it okay to be cracking jokes all the time? Or do I want a more serious tone? Um, what is the structure of the campaign? Is it going to be one long story or are we going to do like a four session story and then like a downtime and then another four session story, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that session zero is better utilized if it's uh, an expectation setting rather than let's all make your characters and let's determine your backstory and everything. Yeah. So 
I had that exact problem with my current game. I'm not running. I'm just a player in it. And uh, we were, we were playing uh, Dresden Files, So we're playing fate. Uh, and with fate, it, you really should make all the characters together because you make like the city together. There's a city build. The city is a character and you make it collaborative collaboratively together and then you integrate your your characters in with it and you make every everything together i'm i'm telling everybody to do this because we have over half the group has never played a fake game before much less dresden files um and it it didn't work it didn't happen everybody because of the time lag between deciding to do dresden and that like there was a session missed and then you know it's a couple weeks everybody Mm. had already locked into what they wanted to do you know, people had pulled, you know, got the PDFs or they got the books and they're like, oh man, I want to do this. And I found that it didn't matter. It, it was, it didn't matter that everybody had locked in and picked out what they wanted to do and even came up with background because it does in a session zero, it doesn't matter what you are as far as any game is concerned, mm-hmm. Paladin or Spacefarer or whatever. It matters who you are. And even then, you come up with the who you are of your character out of character or out of the session beforehand. Even that doesn't really matter. As long as the session zero, you can start connecting the characters. Because what the, really what you're trying to do is you're trying to avoid that <clears throat> D&D old school, okay, Paladin, you walk into a tavern and there is a cleric of Torm that looks like a player talk to them oh hello i am two moons old let us adventure yeah yeah you want to that's what we're trying to avoid here that's kind of the point of the session zero so and we didn't have a problem with it you know 100 percent of the group came in knowing what they were (laughs) and 90 percent of the group came in knowing who they were and then we use the session zero to connect the characters and how they knew each other and that other 10% who didn't quite know who they were, they were able to develop that as long as the players were open to making sure their characters were a little malleable. Right. You know, it's just like, I'm a bloodthirsty werewolf. Like, well, we're not playing the bloodthirsty game. You know, can we maybe edge that down this a little a bit? And, game. You guys need to calm down. <laughs> right. You know, I'm bloodthirsty for milk. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, we didn't have anything that bad. But, you know, you, you got to have a little bit of looseness. I mean, you haven't even mm. role-played with the characters yet. So, and, and it worked out great. It worked out yeah. fine. And it really got me thinking, like, I used to be very hard on this sort of, you know, we need to come up with the characters together. Don't pick, a, you know, we're playing D&D, whatever. Let's come together first. After this experience, I'm not really in that camp anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it, it didn't impact anything. Yeah, and I think different campaigns, again, depending on how the campaign is that you're running, it can you can get by. Like you can mm-hmm. if you're planning on running a more uh exploration hack and slash style game, which is what my upcoming in person one is gonna be, like the players could make their characters on their own and bring them to the first session and it would probably be okay. So yeah. it I, I think really it's not which of these options work best, session zero, no session zero, group making the characters or make them separate. I think it's um, explore a variety of them and figure out what works best for your group at mm-hmm. this specific time. I think mm-hmm. I've learned to like over time I've learned that uh, kind of what Chad was saying that like it's not about the characters and their mechanics very much it's about relationships and stuff mm-hmm. but my caveat is that I have learned uh, to push players more and more towards why do they care mm-hmm. right. who do they yeah. like because I've had moments where one character dies and then the other character goes, well, I guess that's it for me. And they don't <laughs> like, because their relation was, this is my brother and this is all right. I would ever care about, or this is my sword. I'll never leave it. And then they lose the sword and they're like, well, and a rust monster a gelatinous it. cube. <laughs> Literally. That's a real story. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a long, yeah. But right. like, so I've learned to try to ask them to figure out why does their character care? Why are they invested yeah. in the objectives in the story? Because when they tie themselves to each other and one sinks, Titanic shit. Yeah. Yeah, it can mm-hmm. be. Um, the campaign... 
<laughs> the campaign that um, we're finishing up right now, our online one that we stream every other Sunday opposite the big twenties I'm on. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a system that I developed. And one of the mechanics that I'm actually very proud of, uh, pat myself on the back for this is that at beginning of the game, every character has uh, relationships um, where you, you designate another PC and you put one point of relationship and you have to have at least two. So immediately I'm saying you need to, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is, as long as you know, starting the first session, this is what my character thinks of this person and this is what they think of this person. Um, so that it at least establishes that sort That's of baseline. Cool. So then if someone mm -hmm. does die, if someone does kick the can, then they're like, yeah. got a backup. Game. Yeah, you got someone else mm -hmm. that you can hang your hat on. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, well, I'm curious, unless Eric's going to do it. Uh, does anyone have any last minute questions? Because we're getting pretty close to the closing time where we have to play that song. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I don't know. So at the end of all of this, while we're waiting to see if anyone has any questions, Chad, are mm -hmm. you sold on solo adventures and who are you going to first start running for? Is it going to be Nick, me, or Eric? <laughs> I'm not really into the solo thing. It it, going all the way back to the start. I don't think they're bad. I think they're fine. They're good. Great. But it's, it's just a little too intimate for me. It's a little, a little too intensive for me. Uh, I, uh, it's just not, it just, it, it doesn't hold my promise interest. No candles. <laughs> one candle. One. Well, just one. Well, yeah, there has I mean, to be yeah, a bring one. a fucking candle, Nick. Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bring it, you just don't tell them about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not going to be a special okay. dinner without two candles. Like, <laughs> and it's going to be like a romance-based game. It's going to be like Monster Lady Hearts in the Tramp one shot yeah. with Chad. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. Someone needs one, to make this a, a one candle, a, a, a Patreon milestone, or some shit. <laughs> One bowl of spaghetti with one really long noodle. Yep. This yep. would be great. Oh, my God. I'm going to see if I can get my lighting right. Hold on. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Well, all right. We're in Rome. Well, how convenient you are ready, nah, Chad. <laughs> because here we go. I'm just playing coy, to be honest. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're just about out of time. So uh, how about uh, you let everybody know where they can find you? Start with Nick. Uh, NicholasCorey.com. That is the central location for everything that I do. Otherwise, the Mythos Busters podcast, if you like the Arkham Horror Card Game, or twitch.tv slash NicholasCorey if you want to see my D&D &D prep or our online actual plays. I'm Chad. You can find me at feartheboot.com or morningsky.com. That's uh, morningskye.com can find me uh notre dame indiana in an incredibly bright office but if you're interested in my work you could check out world walkers wherever fine podcasts are given away um or patreon.com slash world walkers if like all of a sudden you're like god i need i hate money and i love pedro so <laughs> all right well thank you uh nick chad and pedro for hosting this week uh thank you jenna uh, sasquatch uh, for the great question and also gauge with the uh, seizing of initiative. Uh, that was awesome. Also, there was a pretty uh, robust chat going on. Uh, Dan and uh, young one were, you know, we're throwing in some great stuff there too. And who knew this was going to be such a contentious topic. Uh, <laughs> So next week's hosts are Pete, Dan, and Wayne. Remember, Big 20 streams every Sunday night at uh, 9 p.m. Central on twitch.tv slash gamers table. Good night, everybody. You're on. Yeah. <laughs>